0: You're now listening to Binge brain Podcast, the show that teaches simple neuroscience-based strategies to ending overeating, binge eating, emotional eating, and yo-yo dieting. I'm Natalia, your host, and I'm here to help you create wellness without the obsession. Let's get started. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I hope you're doing amazing and please get ready for a crazy ride because today we are going to talk about trigger foods. So trigger foods are foods that you have trouble eating in reasonable amounts and usually they trigger you to binge eat and this episode will be splitted into two episodes. So in today's episode I will I will mainly focus on mindset piece And in the second episode, I'm going to talk about exactly step-by-step process, how you can reintroduce trigger foods into your diet. And I want to just tell you that you don't have to do it, right? Uh, I want you to still work on your mindset around trigger foods. I don't want you to Uh, to moralize food, to see food as good or bad. I don't want you to categorize food as healthy, unhealthy. I think that it's really important for you to neutralize all the foods. So I think that the mindset piece is very important. But again, you don't have to, the, the action doesn't have to follow. Like I decided at some point of my binge eating recovery to incorporate trigger foods because that was just easier for me uh, to live in that way. It's more sustainable for me. But if you want, if you don't want to incorporate your trigger foods to your diet, it's totally fine. But I think that you still should work on the mindset around them let's first start maybe with that definition so you know that i'm not a native english speaker so sometimes i like to go to dictionary and see descriptions of of words so let's start with the trigger so trigger is an event or situation that causes something to start so it causes something to start i want to emphasize that and when I'm talking about triggers, I'm not talking about P, uh, PTSD triggers. I know that um, recently there is more talk about PTSD that maybe you feel threatened when you remember something from, from the past. But again, trigger in in today's episode, when I'm talking about triggers, I'm not talking about PTSD triggers I'm talking about like lighter version of of triggers Uh, so triggers um, food triggers right Uh, and let's now go to the second definition which is a cue so a cue is a signal for someone to do something this is probably some kind of stimuli in the environment that leads to developing a routine um, that is the basis of a habit so did you hear the difference between trigger and a cue? So trigger is the cause, is the reason that something happened. However, a cue is more like a signal. It's like a suggestion. It's like a notch. It's part of the habit. But remember that you have a free will. So trigger foods are actually the cues to perform a habit. So in my opinion, we shouldn't call trigger foods a trigger. They should be called like Q foods, but of course that sounds, that sounds a little bit uh, ridiculous. The other thing that I want to say is Q suggests that it's more like a predisposition, right? Because when we call trigger foods triggers, it suggests that it's a predetermined um, situation, like this has happens. When trigger happens, this has to happen. Uh, when trigger is uh, is in the environment, it definitely leads to something happening. But that's not true in terms of trigger foods, right? Because uh, the, the specific food that you usually binge on, it's more like a cue. It predisposes you to binge on it, but it's not predetermination. And I want you to understand that um, that uh, distinction, because when we see foods are skewed to start a habit, then it means that you still have control. So actually, I'm not going to use words trigger foods in this episode anymore, because I think that, again, <laughs> those those trigger foods are not actually triggers. And I was thinking that it makes this episode pretty hard, because how I can replace trigger foods. So I decided to call them um binge foods, just, just like that, binge foods, even though trigger foods is very popular in eating disorder nomenclature, I'm going to use words binge foods, because I think that it's a better um, descriptor of what is happening when we are talking about the cycle, the binge eating cycle, because food will be a cue, not really a, a trigger. Okay, so first what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of your binge foods. So maybe um, you are going to write something like uh, Oreo cookies, chocolate cake, Ben & Jerry ice creams. But what I want you also to do is to be to get more granular, granular be more specific. Okay, you've got a cookie, but w- what is the cookie? It's probably flour, sugar, oil, cacao. Okay, let's go even deeper. What is sugar? Sugar, okay, saccharose. So it's uh, glucose and fructose. Okay, what is glucose? Um, it's a molecule, right? It has, I think, like uh, six carbon uh, atoms, uh, hydrogen, I think 12 hydrogen atoms and six uh, oxygen atoms. Okay, so now you understand the uh, the molecular structure of, of glucose. So get more specific. And you may ask yourself like, why? why? What's the point? Well, the point is that we fear what we don't know. The truth is that glucose or, or other sugars, they just exist in nature. And we humans find a way to process it, to to extract it from natural products. And I would also recommend you to watch a video on YouTube. So go to YouTube and type how it's made sugar. And I want you to watch this documentary because it's a very short one, because it shows you from a very neutral standpoint how sugar is made. I know that there are many documentaries about sugar uh, that you can find online, but most of those documentaries vilify sugar and I want you to find very neutral standpoint uh, of view So, so some documentaries that are very neutral and I think that the video on YouTube how it's made sugar it's very yeah it's just very neutral because I want you to understand that sugar just exists maybe sugar itself is not actually a problem it's not the sugar itself but it's the habit you have built around certain foods containing sugar. This is really the problem. And I know that you have love-hate relationship with sugar right now, or love-hate relationship with binge foods in general. Like, in a way, you hate it, but in a way, you also love it, because you love eating it, and you like really how they make you feel, but also you hate it, you hate it, and you feel horrible after eating them. And when you hate them, these kind of binge foods, you give them a lot of energy, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, words that uh, opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. So in my opinion, your goal should be to see those binge foods as neutral. Don't give them energy by hating them, by avoiding them, but be more indifferent to them. And in today's episode, I'm going to tell you how to change your desire for these kind of foods. But also I want to shortly mention like, Okay, but there are people who vilify sugar, who are advocating against sugar. So what do we say to those people who vilify sugar and spread sugar hate or whatever? (laughs) We say to them, thank you. (laughs) I know, that was unexpected. But the truth is that we need also those people. We need people who say that eating sugar in moderation is okay. And we also need people who say that sugar is bad because these kind of people they are capable of enforcing the policies that, for example, would reduce added sugar content of beverages that, uh, that are sold in schools. So these people are totally necessary. They, they need to exist in our society. But if you struggle right now with binge eating or overeating, and you vilify sugar, but you still binge on it, It's possible that for you, it would be better to see uh, sugar or highly processed foods in more neutral way. Because what happens when you you are afraid of keeping these kind of foods uh, in the house? Well, you you just avoid them and you live in this fantasy that everything would be alright if only you could live in a cottage house in the middle of nowhere, nobody would bother you, nobody would trigger you, and you would be eating just kale all day. But the truth is that we are not living in a vacuum. It's not possible for you to be uh, separated from the real world. And I know that many of you uh, like live with other people. So also you have the fantasy that, oh, when I would be, if I would be only living alone, then everything would be all right. I would be controlling my food 100%. But it's also not, it, it doesn't work that way. Really, you don't break this binge eating habit by changing your environment. I speak to many people, many of them live alone and what they do they order food or just they, they feel more free to binge on wh- whenever they want to because, again, they are alone in the house. And recently, I even had a discovery call with with a woman and she told me that she doesn't keep any food inside the house. And my question is, is this the way you want to live your life? I still don't know whether she's going to become a client or not. She, she will let me know. But... You know, guys, you have to think about it. Do you want your your life to look that way that you are afraid of keeping any food inside the house? And even if you are living with other people, but you avoid certain binge foods, it's still going to cause friction with you and other housemates, with your roommates, if you are um, a student at the university. This is what, what happened uh, also to me. And I know that many students, what they do, uh, they do not buy binge foods themselves but what they do is they steal from their roommates and this is pretty common practice like most of the binge eaters I have ever spoken with they would say that they at some point they just um, stole somebody's food and what they do is just uh, they replace it uh, later hoping that the other person won't notice. So in my opinion avoiding binge foods at all costs it actually puts you at higher risk of, of, of binging on them. Let's say that you keep those binge foods at home, and sometimes you binge on them, and sometimes you don't. This gives you uh, gives you gives you some confidence because let's say that um, that the day has twenty four hours, and you binge on this specific binge food just one hour per day. Uh, That gives you proof, evidence that for the rest, 23 hours per day, you didn't binge on that food. So you had some encounter with that food without binging on on it. But when you avoid that food, then usually 100% of encounter uh, the binge food results in binging because you don't trust yourself. Your confidence goes down. So not having binge foods doesn't create, create confidence. And we want you to become an intuitive, confident person who trusts themselves. You can obtain that by challenging yourself. so uh, And also looking for the evidence that you are capable of doing that, that you are capable of functioning, functioning like a normal person around those binge foods. If you are avoiding certain foods... You may le- it may lead to the situation when you don't keep any food inside the house. Because what I presume happened with that lady is that, okay, first she noticed that she binges on on certain highly processed foods. So she, so she eliminated them from the house. But then maybe she didn't want to go to the shop whenever she had an urge to, to binge. So she started to binging on maybe uh, high-density foods, like, for example, nuts. Okay, so she eliminated the nuts because obviously nuts are binge food, so let's not keep them in the house. But okay, uh, so she was left with only a couple of things. So then she started uh, binging on, let's say, rice, chickpeas. I remember that this happened to me, that I was also, at some point I was also binging on let's say, uh, quote-unquote, healthy foods, right? Because I didn't keep anything else in the house, but I didn't properly break the binge-eating habit, so I would still uh, end up overeating. And in this case, when you avoid those foods and you eliminate more and more and more food, you end up just having no food at home. And then what you do? You just order food and you just binge on takeout. Unfortunately, this is what uh, is often happening, and if you still still think that it's the food fault that you binge on it, I want you to ask yourself, like, do you binge on pure table sugar? Honestly, if I would look into my past, I would have to say that, yeah, I actually binge on pure uh, sugar or on uh, breadcrumbs or so, like, you know, flour or something, just because I don't know, maybe just chewing chewing something was very soothing for me, so I binged on like crazy stuff. But majority of binge eaters, of people who struggle with binge eating, they do not binge on pure sugar. They usually binge on foods that contain sugar. And now I want you to imagine um, having a cookie, but when you were a child, like, were you crazy about cookies uh, already? Like... Were you binging on cookies when you were a kid? Probably not. Probably you weren't that obsessed with food, but it it became a problem for you later in life. And that means that it's not the food itself. It's not like food calls you, like food sends you some kind of vibes that you have to eat it. It's probably your thoughts that create the desire and urge. Uh, another example, imagine yourself being an adult uh, and I put you in the room with a box, and you don't know what is inside the box. But what is in the box are are those cookies, your binge food, your favorite cookies that you often binge on. Uh, but, but you don't know that those cookies are there. You don't smell them, you don't see them. This circumstance, as you see, it doesn't create this, the desire. Because you don't know that the cookies are there. So that suggests that it's your thoughts, those are your thoughts that create the desire. So when you are with the cookies, it's not the cookies that send you the vibes that you should eat them, they are not calling your name, it's only when you are conscious that they are there and then you produce in your mind certain thoughts that create the desire and urge to binge on them. Think about also cookies you may have right now in your house, like when you wake up, and you don't really think about food yet, do you wake up with desire with binging on them? When you brush your teeth, do you you right away create the desire for food just because you know that it's somewhere in your pantry, in your house? So if it were the food that caused the desire, then you would feel the same amount of desire for it all the time. But this is not what is happening. And that also suggests that the desire... The desire itself can change. It changes just like a volume in the radio. Sometimes volume is high, sometimes volume is low. What you can do when you have a very loud radio, of course, you can just remove the radio, but still somewhere in the environment, at work or in the shop, you're going to encounter other radios. So how are you going to deal with it? You're going to avoid them forever? it probably would be better for you to learn how to adjust volume control knob so that you can change the volume, meaning change the desire. And all of that means that it's not the food that creates the desire and changes the the desire for food, but those are your thoughts. Another proof that those are your thoughts is that different people will have different thoughts about specific binge foods therefore they produce different desire but of course i know what you want to say because you want to say that all of it is not true because hey natalia some highly processed foods they do contain sugar oil they are they have addictive like properties they are super palatable they, when I eat them, they cause something inside me. They change something inside me. They produce emotional change. They produce uh, happy chemicals and I feel a little bit better. If you want to use that argument, so I have to tell you that, sure, natural desire for food is totally normal. We need to have it. The primitive brain has to send the urges for uh, to, to eat, because without food, we would die. So this is very important for our survival. So the desire itself, it's not the problem. It's the, it becomes a problem when it causes negative consequences. So indeed, natural foods cause moderate desire. But highly processed foods, they evoke stronger, stronger response in the reward system in your brain, and you can't really change it, right? So, well, to, to some extent, you actually can change your reward system. We know that uh, when people use hard drugs, their reward system and also other systems in your brain, they do adapt a little bit. So when people go through uh, withdraw, then their reward system again upregulates. So uh, after some time, they are able to, again, enjoy like natural pleasures so to some extent you can you can change a little bit your reward system but just for the for the sake of this argument let's say that you cannot change your reward system like when you eat highly processed foods they cause a strong desire for you they cause this chemical maybe not chemical dependence well maybe in some cases uh, chemical dependence but this you know chemical uh, need well that might be true, but what I want you to focus on is on the things that you can change and not the things that you cannot change. And what you can change are your thoughts. So your beliefs, your thoughts may intensify urges, urges to, to binge or to overeat. So maybe your body is sensitive to sugar. Maybe after the first bite, sort of like the gates are open uh, and you want to eat it. But I think that you still, by changing your thoughts, by working on your mindset, you can still lessen the intensity of an urge by working exactly on your thoughts and your mindset. And I think that believing that all the binge foods, all the processed foods or sugary foods are bad for you, is not good for you. (laughs) Why? Because of the, for example, nocebo effect. So the nocebo effect is, is said to occur when negative expectations of the patient regarding a treatment cause the treatment to have a more negative effect than it otherwise would have. So nocebo effect says that there is there is a reaction to your expectations. That also means that some of the physical symptoms you may have, they may have psychological root cause, right? I even saw uh, one one case study on... Uh, on PubMed uh, and in this case some guy took I think like 30 antidepressant pills because he wanted to commit suicide but he didn't know that those were placebo pills and the interesting part is that he actually experienced like harp- hypertension they had to gave him give him intravenous fluids to maintain like blood pressure. Can you imagine like he took sugar pills he took placebo pills. But because he expected negative consequences, therefore his body manifested it, right? I hope that you understand it correctly. So now think about you eating sugar. and after you eat a cupcake, all of a sudden you feel horrible, you have a headache, you feel fatigued, and so on. I'm not maybe it's a sugar. I'm not saying that it's not, but what i'm what I'm trying to tell you is that maybe. Uh, Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I would just want you to consider that maybe some of the negative experiences you have, negative symptoms you experience after eating uh, binge foods, maybe it's your mind that creates those symptoms. Maybe. Just consider it. I'm not saying that it's the case. Maybe you really feel horrible uh, after sugar, but uh, after eating binge foods or eating sugar, but maybe your psychology has also some kind of uh, uh, input into into it. So now we know that a thought can cause the reaction. It can also cause a feeling. It can cause a a desire. It can cause uh, an urge. So I want you to ask yourself, what happens when you tell yourself you can't have something even though you can have it? Well, what happens is usually you evoke There's scarcity mindset in your brain. So your primitive brain panics because it's afraid that the food won't be available anymore. So you have to eat right now everything what is available right now. (laughs) And your brain very often wants to rebel. It's just like a child. And we have got this really wired into our brain. Like imagine a child. Like you tell them that they can have all the toys besides this one toy they will want the one toy. Tell them that that they can open every drawer besides this one drawer because it's it's your junk drawer and you don't want the, the, the baby to, to open it. Guess what? It wants to open this specific drawer and it will have a tantrum when it cannot have it. And your brain didn't change that much. So as an adult, you still can have this tantrum. You still can be fixated on that food that you tell yourself that you cannot have. So the goal is to give yourself permission to eat everything, but choose not to eat it. And you do it by changing your desire for, for for specific foods. And how it can start is you can start with changing the way you talk to yourself. Because right now you may tell to yourself like, oh, I can't have this kind of food in my home. I can't eat this because this is happening. Maybe... Just choose uh, choose the, choose your words differently. Instead of saying, I can't, say, I don't want to. I don't feel like having it. I choose not to eat it, eat it. I can even tell you a fun fact. So right now, I'm not telling anyone that I won't ever eat animal products again. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe my life circumstances will change. My thoughts will change. And I will be forced to uh, come back to eating uh, animal products. The same with me binging again. Like, I I don't tell you that I will never binge again because I don't know that. You know, I don't want to burn bridges behind me. I want to have this option that if something happens, I can always come back to my eating disorder. And I think that it also helps my clients, this kind of thinking. Because at the beginning, they are very unsure because they like what is safe. So for example, for them, restriction feels safe counting calories feels safe, Uh, over-exercising feels safe, only because it's familiar. Those activities feel safe because they are familiar. But if they want to recover, they just have to take different action, but then they feel very unsure about that. So what I tell them is like, okay, let's try four days uh, in a week to do not restrict, to do not exercise, and other three weeks, you can do whatever you want to. And then they, uh, they start to uh, do those, um, those, those activities. And I always tell them like, okay, let's try this one day. Another day you can come back to your old um, coping mechanism. Then you can come back to your eating disorder. Like right now, maybe people also are afraid of letting go of weight loss because many people to recover from binge eating, they need to let go of weight loss. So maybe they are afraid of doing so. And I'm telling them like, all right, let's try this approach. You can always come back to, to weight loss again. You can always come back to counting calories. Like these things are available to you. The same like binge eating is still sort of available for me. Like if something major, situation going to happen in my life, like major traumatic um, uh, situation, like, okay, yeah, I, I can always binge on foods. Like I don't want to. I I don't think that I would come back to binging foods. But this option is still available. <laughs> I think that it's it's sort of like helps uh, helps to with dealing with with things and and trying new uh, new methods because you always know that you can come back to to the previous way you dealt with things. But okay, let's leave that topic and let's come back to to your thoughts. So I told you that. Those are your thoughts that change and intensify your desire. And right now I want to show you, I want to, I want you to feel it in your bones. So I'm gonna read you a couple of sentences and I want you to assess, you know, how much you desire, let's say, a piece of chocolate cake before I read it and after I read it to you. And this is something that happens in your mind very often. So right now, just picture picture in your mind. Chocolate cake. And now let's go to the thoughts. Oh, that looks good. I bet it tastes sweet. I could use a break now. I'm a bit tired. Some sugar would give me some extra energy. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I need to have it. I will feel so much better after having it. But wait, I'm on a diet. Oh no, I can't have it. But I want to. I really, really want to. Just one bite wouldn't matter. I will stop after a first bite. Okay, now I really need to have it. Otherwise, I will feel deprived. deprived. Let's do this. Does this sound familiar? I know that this desire right now for this chocolate cake is bubbling inside you just because I read you some, some sentences. So this means that the desire can be created in your thoughts, can be intensified in your thoughts. If I would just read you one sentence, like, it looks good, and I would stop there, you probably wouldn't feel the desire for that chocolate cake. So I want to show you that it's your thought, it's your mind chatter that often contributes to feeling that that desire. So what creates the feeling of desire? Those are not the circumstances. Circumstances are always neutral. It's your interpretation. These are your thoughts that create that desire. And when we talk about desire, let me tell you, just as food is neutral, desire is also neutral. There are many, many misconceptions about desire, because some people would say that if you have this desire for uh, highly processed foods, that that it makes you a bad person, uh, that you are a person with a weak willpower. And that's not true, because previously, I told you that it's not the food. Like, it's not the food that creates the desire. I told you that those are your own faults. What you might be hearing me saying is that it's it's you. It's your own fault. Like, you create those thoughts. But it's also not true. I don't want you to think about yourself like, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm a person with a weak willpower. No, you are just a person with a habit of desiring extra food. That's it. And I like this approach because it takes away the whole stigma. But I also recognize that some, for some people, other approach will work. For some people, it's better for them to recognize that they are powerless over food, that the higher power could only restore their sanity around food. Like it's totally fine if you want to believe um, if you want to go with this method if, with this approach I'm totally fine with that I just use something different because something different worked for me right because I created my my method my approach from my own experience and from uh, from working with with clients and I see this kind of things all the time in DMs like people think that that they are bad people after eating something they also think that abstaining from 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 binge foods it's a it's like a virtue so then eating forbidden foods must be a vice right (laughs) and that's that's wrong type of thinking just just consider this if you think that eating junk food is wrong then you feel shame after eating it then you feel then you experience negative emotion then you probably restrict your food then you punish yourself and when you feel those negative emotions like shame, punishment, what do you do? You want to soothe yourself. And how do you do it? Usually with food. And that's how the cycle starts. That's why I want you to start seeing food as neutral. Also, you are not good when you eat good food. So you are also not bad for eating highly processed foods. And I want you to know that it comes from me. And I years ago, years and years ago, when I just went vegan, I thought that everyone who is not vegan is a bad person. <laughs> so I came a long way. So when I'm telling you that you are not a bad person for eating animal products, you are not a be- bad person for eating sugar, you are not a bad person for eating uh, highly processed foods. Like those two things are not connected. Like, okay, you have a habit of, of binge eating, of desiring food, but it doesn't mean anything about you as a person. You just have a, a habit. And now there is a question, what are you going to do with this desire? So like, what happens when you have this desire, but you choose to resist it? Like you want this food, but you resist it. Well, you use a lot of energy, willpower, you have a desire but there's no action. You do not follow this desire if you use your willpower. But then what happens is you feel deprived. So again, the key is to reduce desire. And desire is just this volume knob. And I want to give you another example. Think about the desire you feel for other things. For example, for your partner. Like think about how your desire changes throughout the day or how your desire for that person changed throughout your relationship. Maybe when you meet them, they weren't very attractive for you. Then you get to know them better and they were like super attractive. You know, your desire for that person changes even though that person doesn't change that much. Your desire also throughout the day for them also may change, but they, they do not change that much. Right. And I discovered this, that changing desire at very early stages of my plant based diet. And that was sort of like mind blowing for me uh, that I can change this desire like almost immediately. So, for example, uh, when I visited my hometown my mother would bake for me uh, cake, For, for example, my mother really loves to bake. She she bakes every every weekend. So she would bake me a cake. But she would, uh, because she just started experimenting with um, plant-based diet, Uh, well, I started experimenting with plant-based diet and she wanted to accommodate me, so she would bake me a special vegan cake So I walked into the kitchen and I see the cake and she told me before that this is a vegan cake. So I'm like cutting it, putting it on my plate and I'm super excited. My desire for this cake is super high. And then she tells me like, no, 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 no. This cake is not yours. Yours is still in the the oven, like 10 minutes and it's going to be ready. And I'm like, okay. And then my desire for that cake, because I knew that, you know, there are some animal products, maybe like butter or eggs in this cake. My desire for that cake dropped bl- dramatically. And this happened so many times uh, in my life when I would, you know, grab, grab some, some bar or some chocolate, uh, let's say that it was dark chocolate and I'm reading the ingredients and I see that, uh, that it contains whey, for example. And my desire for the chocolate would dramatically drop. I also received a couple of gifts in my life when people told me like, yeah, yeah, this is totally vegan. And then I, again, look at the ingredients list and and it's not vegan. And my desire for it like dropped right away. And you are capable of doing that um, as well. I want you to imagine right now that you're at work and you go to the break room. And in the break room, there are cupcakes, and your desire for that cupcake is super high. You already imagine yourself like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have this one and this one. I'm going to take two and maybe nobody's going to see. I'm going to maybe pack one uh, to take um, away and so on. But then you see your coworker walks in and you know that your coworker has some some symptoms. Like he was sneezing before, he was coughing before. And because right now in 2021, we are still dealing with Corona. Uh, coronavirus, you may be thinking that, oh, geez, he may have corona. What you see him doing is that he walks next to the, uh, next to the cupcakes that you really, really want to have and he sneezes on them. <gasps> How do you think? Are you going to still have very high desire for those cupcakes when you saw somebody sneezing on them? Probably not. Like before, you were like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have them. They will be super tasty. I'm gonna feel better after eating them. But then you saw somebody sneezing on them, and you're like, oh no, thank you. This is what happens to all of us. Okay, this episode was very long, so I want to give you like the closing remarks. And the first one is that I want you to get curious. If you blame binge foods, you are in the dead end. Yeah, like you will learn nothing about yourself. But when you um, let go of the idea that it's the binge foods, that it's binge foods fault that you, that you eat them, when you let go of that idea, you will have to look inside you. You will have to look for the answers inside you, like what I'm thinking about those kind of foods, what I'm thinking about myself, do I trust myself, um, and so on. If you blame uh, binge foods, you will learn nothing about yourself. Also, another thing I want you to know is that abstinence doesn't equal recovery. Like, okay, there are some people who uh, are abstinent from from binge foods, but it doesn't really re- equal recovery because they didn't do this deeper work on, on themselves and on their mindset. So in my opinion, that's that's also pretty important. Another thing that I want you to take away from this episode is that you need to neutralize foods you need to take your power back. You need to claim your authority because removing foods, removing binge foods from your environment, in this way, you abdicate responsibility. You say like, okay, I'm powerless. It's, It's the binge foods fault that I'm binging on them. Like, no, I want you to claim your authority and take responsibility for your actions and learn something about yourself in that process. Another thing I want you to know is that you binge because of your desire, because of your urges and this desire is changeable and desire is created mainly by your thoughts. So what you can do is you can change your thoughts because circumstances are always neutral. And at the end, I want to mention that in my opinion, this approach is is great. It works for many of my clients, but it may not work for you. Maybe you rolled your couple of times during this episode and you were like oh what she's talking about like no 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 this is wrong that would this wouldn't work for me like okay it's good i'm glad that you wanted to hear different perspective if you want to choose different action that's totally fine i'm here always just creating a hypothesis don't take my words at the face value okay Again, I'm, I'm a scientist at heart and I'm creating hypotheses and we are all experimenting on our own. This is something that works for, worked for me. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's going to work for you. Like I do have some evidence that it's going to work for you. So I would highly en- encourage that. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And in the next episode, we are going to continue with trigger foods. And I'm going to give you the step-by-step process, how to reintroduce Trigger foods, and it's gonna be more actionable because today we focus mainly on mindset. I was honestly all over the place. I wanted to organize my thoughts in some kind of way, but I know that this episode might have been a little bit chaotic. And also, I have uh, a request for you. (laughs) So, I would really be really happy if you know somebody uh, who could benefit from this episode, please share this with them. I know that there are. Uh, you know, subreddits on Reddit. There are also uh, Facebook groups uh, with people who suffer from eating disorders, who struggle with binge eating. And unfortunately, I cannot advertise myself there <laughs> because that against the rules. But if you are on this kind of forums or uh, subreddits, please It would be great if you would mentioned maybe this podcast to people who could really benefit from this work. I know that uh, the way I present the information is kind of like unique and I think that many people could benefit from it. But again, I have trouble to reach all the people who could benefit from, uh, from, from my work. I would really appreciate if you could help me uh, in this way by just recommending other people uh, my work. It can be also on Instagram, right? You can just screenshot um, the episode and just put in your um, Instagram story. That would be also super helpful. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I hope that it was helpful. If you have any questions, uh, hit me in DMs on Instagram. And that would be all for today. Have a great day and hear you next time. Bye. enjoyed today's episode and you would like to stay in touch with me, make sure to follow Pinchproof Proof Brain on Instagram. And if you are ready to take this material to the next level and apply what you've learned, then go ahead and submit your application for my Binge Proof Brain coaching program. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a great day.